0: The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.
1: All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an
2: awakening world.
1: empower yourself, and get
0: inspired to build the life of your dreams. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. I am super excited to have you join us today while we explore the concept of living a life of peace every day. Peace, defined as wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. Just take a quick moment and inhale and exhale slowly on that definition. Wow. Can you even imagine living your life of peace, every day well i'm here to tell you that yes peace is possible every day yes you deserve peace every day and yes you can have peace every day we work together on this show to bring you the topics and the guests to partner with you as you create your life of peace every day and today is no exception we have a fabulous guest for you today and i i know that we are still you know in this pandemic mindset you all know that I have been a practicing pharmacist for 30 years. I run an inpatient hospital pharmacy, and it is busy, and there is a lot of stress. And that's just my work environment, right, which carries, you know, gone are the days of an eight-hour workday. Who does that anymore? Whew, I think eight hours sometimes is a nice part-time job, especially when you're in health care. But it can be crazy. But it can be crazy for all of us, those of us who are at home caring for family members, those of us who are working outside of health care. If we're breathing and we're walking on planet Earth today, we know that there is no shortage of stress, and we deal with that a lot on this show because stress is part of the journey. It's part of the journey. And as we take this lovely journey that we're so privileged to have access to, we've got to learn how to. How to handle stress so that it doesn't handle us, if you know what I mean. So we have a fabulous guest on today, and we're going to talk about how to mitigate mitigate the stress in our life so we don't burn out, and and just get some good tools that we can take into our everyday life, even if you don't work in healthcare. Because guess what? These tools work for everybody. Because I know, I hear you from you guys. I hear, I get the emails. I coach you all. I know that we're all dealing with stress in our lives. So please, you want to stay tuned for the entire show. You want to call in because we have a medical doctor joining us today. So we're going to get the goods on how to live our best life in a healthy perspective. Before we get to our guests, I want to remind you that we're still doing some giveaways. Yes, we are. We're having a giveaway. Um, on. There is a free online course being offered to you at the Institute for Leadership and Lifelong Learning. It's a wonderful online university and they have all kinds of fabulous courses. Please check them out. I, Dr. Drayvon James, teach a course on there called the 2020 um, Clarity, 2020 Clarity. So you could check that out, but there are lots of other courses on there as well. And I'm still giving away the five steps to discovering your passion now, today. And you can get that just by emailing me at Dravon. D-R-A-V-O-N, James, DrayvonJames at gmail.com. So please take advantage of those fabulous gifts for you being an everyday peacemaker. For so our guest today is Dr. Greg Hammer, M.D. He is a pediatric intensive care physician, pediatric anesthesiology, and professor at Stanford University Medical Center a member of the Stanford Well MD initiative and the wellness committee of the American Society of Anesthesiologists. Dr. Hammer is currently the chair of the Physician Wellness Task Force for the California Society of Anesthesiologists. He has been a visiting professor and lecturer on wellness at institutions worldwide and teaches GAIN, G-A-I-N, gain to medical students, residents, and fellows at Stanford. Welcome to the Everyday Peace Show. Dr. Hammer, so happy to have you.
1: Very lovely to be with you, Dravon. I have to say that um, in addition to uh, being an intensivist and anesthesiologist for children, particularly having heart surgery, I have a laboratory and I do pharmacology research, and the pharmacists are my best friends. So oh, I have a lot nice. of respect for what you do, both on the air but also in your other professions. And I want to say also that I just think the message of unity and peace is so resonant and so vital. So I, I feel uh, like we're connected on uh, in a couple of different ways.
0: We are indeed, and I, I got to just tell you, I'm so honored to have you on the show because. I am personally affected by suicide, and a colleague in my 30-year two two colleagues in um, suicide from burnout and stress. And so I'm delighted to talk with you. The work that you do is amazing, and I don't want our guests to think that this is just for people who work in healthcare, because the majority of my coaching clients do not work in healthcare. And I can tell you, I. I feel the intensity of the stress that you're carrying from the past that, that, you know, you're so depressed over all that happened in your past. You're so anxious for everything that's happened, you know, that you believe could happen in your future. And, it's great when we get a member of the medical profession, a medical doctor who has left brain, right brain connectivity, right? <laughs> so sometimes I hear, even in my own world as a pharmacist, um, woo-woo, you know, oh, I'm not interested in meditation, although wellness is really picking up in the healthcare profession. But I do hear that, you know, oh, I'm not interested in that, you know, if if, if I can't find something that really connects it to um what we respect as scientific studies, then they're not interested, but it's so great that you've embraced this and are really taking it to another level. So I have a huge respect for what you do and I'm honored to have you on the show. So before we get into the GAIN principles and the pillars of GAIN, which are amazing, tell our audience a little about how does this world-renowned physician make time for wellness and get involved in this thought process?
1: That's a good question. I think that a lot of people think that, for example, meditation uh, or doing yoga or doing whatever else, whatever else brings them peace and unity in their lives is time consuming and they, they don't have time for it. I think that, and this is a whole discussion we could get into at a, at a later time, but I think that many people don't believe that they deserve to be happy. And that's why they, they just can't make time for those things that they know and feel and in their direct experience uh, understand that these are the things that make them feel good. You know, we have a great interaction with another person because we're being compassionate or we're being forgiving or we're being grateful and we get a little hit of dopamine and we feel better yet. Why don't we move in that direction all the time? Why don't we keep turning toward those things that make us happy and make us feel present? I think, unfortunately, a lot of us think we don't really deserve to be happy. But the fact is that, uh, you know, you mentioned meditation, so let's just consider that for a moment. People think, well, I don't have 30 minutes to sit down and meditate, um, and so they don't do it. Or people have tried and failed because they've been told that they have to sit for 20 or 30 minutes, possibly in an uncomfortable position, uh, probably not scratching an itch they might have, In other words, don't move around and uh, have no thoughts going through your head. And that's just not realistic. That's not something that even uh, experienced meditators can often do. So one of the principles of my practice and what I teach and my book is to take small bites, but do a regular practice. In other words... Let's just consider meditation. So you mentioned GAIN, and I teach the GAIN meditation, um, which is an acronym for gratitude, acceptance, intention, and nonjudgment. And I started out as a three-minute meditation that I advocate doing every morning. Nobody can tell me, not even my busy trainees who are medical students and residents and fellows in the intensive care unit or in the operating room, they don't have three minutes every morning. So I get them to use their intention, use their purposefulness the night before, set their alarm three minutes earlier than they would have otherwise. So if they would have gotten up at 6.15, set your alarm for 6.12. Get up, open the shades. If there's sun out yet, terrific. If not, do your thing, do your hygiene, and then find a comfortable, quiet place to sit. And it starts with the breath, as does. You know, do many kinds of meditation and prayer and, you know, just uh, slowing the breath down, uh, breathing in through the nose for a count of three and holding for a count of two and then just effortlessly exhaling to a count of four and get into that rhythm and then just sequentially go through the gratitude that we feel and the acceptance, opening our heart to pain and suffering and using our intention, our purposefulness. And we can rewire our brains. We can talk about our negativity bias and how we can rewire our brains to be much more positive. And then finally, nonjudgment. And then it goes back to the breath, and we slowly open our eyes, and three or four minutes have passed, and we're ready to go out into the world. And so it's not necessarily a time-consuming process, and and the game practice can be engaged throughout the day while we're walking down the hall, while we're driving our car. So it's, it's uh, baby steps, daily practice, not very time-consuming.
0: I love what you just said. First of all, I want our listeners to key into the fact that we all have three minutes. We have three minutes in the day, and if you're listening to me, that, and you don't believe you have three minutes, and I can raise my hand on that because there were points in my life where I really did not honor myself between being a full-time mom and of, of little people and a wife and a busy career and really working to get my everyday peace up off the ground that I really, you could ask me, Drayvon, do you have three minutes? I was like, no, really not. I, what is it? quickly? What is it? You know, that's how I would be with myself, but so given with everyone else. So then you have to go and ask yourself, um, I love what you said. So many of us don't believe that we deserve to be happy, right? And, and I have this on my on my mirror posted that says I am worthy, right? So that every day, reminding yourself, if you're that person who is so, and a lot of people in healthcare are this way, they're so externally focused on they're good in one second is what they did for somebody else. How I, how quickly I responded to the code. What happened here? What happened here? And then you get these little doses, uh, but they're short-lived, right? And you I did this, but then there's another emergency on on the back end, and you fall short on that one. So then you spend your whole day fixated on that on that thing that you fell short on, instead of living in this space where I just deserve to be happy, no matter what is going on externally. So I really want our listeners. To be key into that because you deserve to be happy that makes a lot of people nervous maybe it they does, think but, that you know, they're more responsible
1: well you know we have a negativity bias I think we should acknowledge that we tend to remember those things in our lives that are negative and that pertains to our self reflection as well we remember the things that went wrong in our day we remember the things that we're embarrassed about or that we have regret over. And we can change this though. And so, you know, if you'd like we can go through the game principles one by one, but um, we, we are definitely gonna purposeful- do that. <laughs> <laughs> we can use our purposefulness to rewire our brain to overcome this negativity bias. And it's not difficult and it's not time consuming. It just has to be baby steps, daily practice. And we can do it. We deserve it. And uh, it's all about being present. And that's really what mindfulness is all about. And um, if you are really in the present moment, you are happy. If you think about the things that make you unhappy or the times during which you are unhappy, it's, it's always because your mind is stuck in the past or the future. And I would say we can talk about stress as well. You can think of stress as adaptive under some circumstances and maladaptive under other circumstances. You can say the same thing about present. It's adaptive to think about the past under some circumstances. We want to learn from our mistakes. So that requires reflection on the past. We want to savor our wonderful memory. So much of What we experience as positive becomes a wonderful memory that we have forever. So we want to embrace those memories, and that's in the past. However, we tend to obsess on the past in ways that represent regret, remorse, shame, embarrassment. And because of our negativity bias, we really think about those things a lot more than the adaptive elements of the past. And the same applies to the future. It's adaptive to plan in order to put bread on the table and and plan for retirement or help plan for your children's education. And it's also great to look forward to wonderful times with family and friends and, and traveling and so on. But again, we tend to get stuck on elements of the future that are maladaptive. And that would include fear. You know, we're afraid of what might happen. We catastrophize we tend to think of the worst-case scenario. And so, again, you know, let's think about what's adaptive and what's maladaptive, and let's take small bites every day, be mindful of these things, and figure out ways we can be more present. And I'm sure that many of your listeners, and and probably you, are familiar with Jon Kabat-Zinn's teaching on mindfulness, since he was really the founder of, what we call mindfulness today. Mindfulness can be defined and was defined by Jon kabat zinn as awareness that arises through paying attention on purpose in the present moment non-judgmentally. And there are three of the elements of gain in, in one beautiful sentence. Paying attention with intention, that is on purpose, in the present moment without judgment. And that's the key to being present. And when we are present, we're happy. If we think about the happiest times, it's when we, maybe we're with our partner and our lover and we are intimate and we lose a sense of separation through that intimacy, however briefly. Or we're listening to a wonderful piece of classical music and we just get lost in it and and time disappears. And we're completely present, even though the music was composed 200 years ago. So these are times when we're happy, when we're connected to a piece of art, when we're hiking in the forest. We, we, our feelings of, and thoughts of the past and future just sort of drop off. And we're just totally, in the present moment, captivated by the shape of a tree or the sight of a deer And we let those feelings of remorse and fear fall away and we're totally present. And that's when we're happy.
0: That was so beautifully said because it is also, I know that Eckhart Tolle, in his book, I remember years ago reading The Power of Now, says, what in this moment is wrong? In this moment right here, it's the next moment that scares me or the previous moment that I have remorse and regret for, but in this moment right here, we could use all of our five senses, which is something that I teach my clients, use all of your five senses to stay present in this moment. As, as much as you possibly can to stay in this moment because this is your this is your happy place this is and this is also your most powerful place, place is in the present moment and just realizing that we do have this negativity bias there is something that's in this mind of ours this egoic mind that says that replays the same thoughts over and over going to be really I remember when I was in college um teen years ago I used to tell them, make this joke that you know. I was sitting here just watching what my mind was thinking about, and I would joke with my friends that, "Oh, I'm just going to wash my brain because my mind plays this. It's, it's like a loop, you know. It just keeps playing these same fears and anxieties and over and over and again. And as an adult, if we don't really tame our mind, I know you you your work proves and teaches that we can. We do have dominion over our mind. Imagine that, that we have dominion over this, that we can retrain ourselves. So we're going to get into all of this today. So I really want our listeners maybe grab a pen and a, and a, a piece of paper to jot down some notes because you're going to get some really useful things with the GAME principle that you can use immediately. How great is that? So I want to jump backwards just a little bit and talk about your work really centers you you teach other physicians and healthcare providers and i love that because there is a, a romanticized view sometimes of what happens behind the scenes if you will in healthcare and i think For many of us, it's anything but romantic. It is extremely, it can be extremely stressful. What are some of the stresses that you see in healthcare that are leading to this? um, I mentioned I had two colleagues over my 30 year career who um, committed suicide. And I, 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 just in talking to people, you can tell when they're getting to to the burnout. If you've worked with them for a number of years, you can see that, oh, wow. The personality is changing, the stress is getting to them. What, what are some of the stresses that get people to this point of burnout in healthcare?
1: Great question, Javon. I, I've actually uh, lost several colleagues who are physicians and one who is a pharmacist and, and so loved, all of them by so many people. But, you know, we're dealing with life and death. And, uh, you know, when we make a mistake or we think we've made a mistake and none of us are perfect, um, it just generates a lot of self-criticism. And it also generates fear that we're going to make another mistake or make a worse mistake. So, you know, in a way we we kind of live in a fearful place to some degree. And I know that in your practice as well, you know, pharmacists is, is serving such a key role in preparing intravenous nutrition and preparing intravenous medications and You know, there are going to be drug errors. The incidence of medical errors is, no matter how focused we are and what kind of computerized mechanisms we have to prevent them, uh, medical errors occur, and that's just human failure, if you will. You know, medical mistakes happen, and they happen at about the same rate in all first-world countries. So, you know, we may have 400,000 medical errors Uh, or more that are reportable each year in the United States and about 100,000 excess deaths related to medical mistakes. So, But that's not the only reason that we're stressed out. I mean, I think that there's enough stress in life to go around that don't necessarily uh, have career specificity, if you will. So, for example, in the pandemic, of course we're stressed out. We have so much uncertainty. Are we going to – you know, incidents – is the incidence going to continue to rise the way it is or the fatalities going to continue to rise? When when can I go back to work? When do I have to stop doffing my clothes and jump in the shower when I come home from work? And when am I going to be able to go out with my friends and, and and my kids' friends and so on and their families? So there's a lot of uncertainty, and that breeds fear and stress. And I mentioned I'm thinking about stress as being adaptive versus maladaptive, and Acute stress, as you well know, may be adaptive. So when we're acutely stressed, like let's say we are at a swimming pool and our three-year-old suddenly falls into the pool, there's a stress response that happens, and that includes a sudden rise in the amount of adrenaline or epinephrine in our bodies and a spike in the cortisol in our bloodstream as well. It's a, a corticosteroid. And the adrenaline and the cortisol help us activate a stress response so we can quickly run to the pool and, and pull that toddler out of the pool. Or in some cases, people have reported feats of great strength, lifting a heavy object off a child, uh, a television set or what have you, that's fallen from a shelf. Um, that kind of acute stress response is adaptive. It helps us run fast and get away from a predator and, and perform those other feats. But when stress goes on for days or weeks or months or even longer, it's maladaptive. That, that chronic increase in adrenaline in our bodies, that chronic increase in cortisol in our bloodstream, the diminution in various hormones in our body, these things cause us to have high blood pressure. Our, our heart rate goes up. Our blood pressure goes up. It's a strain on our heart. Our heart needs more oxygen, and, and we're stressing our heart. The cortisol and other hormonal changes cause our blood sugar to go up, so we, we may develop type 2 diabetes. Um, and those other hormonal changes may prevent us from sleeping well, uh, in addition to the adrenaline and the cortisol, uh, which interferes with our sort of the phases of our sleep. So, And these things are kind of self-perpetuating. So this is the maladaptive nature of chronic stress. And so, as you intimated, we need to kind of turn toward that and ask ourselves how we can interrupt this process. And again, it's our negativity bias that tends to cause obsession with things that may be in the future that may never happen. You know, the way we catastrophize, this causes stress. And so if we bring it back to the present moment, which is really the only moment that we ever truly experience, the past and the future are thoughts, thoughts come and go. But the present moment is here, and if we bring ourselves back to the present, we diminish this fear and this stress response. And so I think that's one of the keys. It may seem a bit abstract to some people, but I think that's one of the most important elements in reducing the amount of stress that we feel.
0: Oh, I think so too. And I, this long-term stress if for no other reason. If you're a person who is, you know, kind of – thinking, well, you know, meditation is woo-woo and all of this, and, you know, uh, it's not something that you're into, I would say look at the studies that are showing that high blood pressure, we talked about increased um, insomnia, I see a lot of medication for that when I was had uh, practice, hands-on practice, um, increased blood sugars. Imagine, imagine you not needing that medication, if you could better handle your stress. We will be back after these messages. We're talking with Dr. Hammer, and we're going to come back and talk about gain and how you can use that in your life today.
2: Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening
1: world.
0: Create and build the life of your dreams. Welcome back to Everyday Peace with Dr. Dravon James. Welcome back with our special guest, Dr. Hammer, M.D. And I didn't mention this in the beginning of the show, my mistake. Dr. Hammer is the author of some amazing books. The first of which we're talking about today is Gain Without Pain, the Happiness Handbook for Healthcare Professionals. So, You know that healthcare professionals are not the only people to have stress in their lives. I don't know a person who does not have stress in their life. And Dr. Hammer Mm -hmm. wrote another book, Gain Without Pain, Your Happiness Handbook. So for everybody, wherever you are, if you don't have any stress in your life, please call in, tell us how you're doing that and call a friend, get them on this show so they can call in and talk to an MD today to figure out how to utilize mm-hmm. the game principles mm-hmm. which we're going to go over just after we take our caller because I want you to have to live your absolute best life and you do too your family does your friends do your co-workers do because we're a lot nicer when we have less stress and when we know how to deal with our stress so let's pick up our caller today and hello you're on the air with uh, Dr. Hammer how are you?
2: Uh- hello dr james Um, another great show as usual uh dr hammer uh, dr hammer this is the question i have so on my job we work remotely and do a lot of zoom calls and because of the pandemic um we don't get out as much as we normally do so on the calls we conduct business but what um inevitably happens is that conversation starts to Garner around the pandemic and then all the other stuff that's going on. And so what happens is that I've noticed on the call that um, some people are not stressed initially, but as we have the conversations, you can tell people are getting stressed. And so my question is uh, how do those of us who aren't necessarily stressed out about what's going on, taking it very seriously, but just sort of just going day by day, but then you're in a work call? And and the conversations become, it, you start to feel stressed based on the conversations, but you didn't feel stressed beforehand. And so, how do you navigate that in a work situation?
1: That's a great question. I think even pandemic aside, you know, the same phenomenon happens in all sorts of situations uh, at work uh, under social circumstances, etc. All it takes is that one person who's obviously very stressed out to kind of. Uh, take over the conversation, and pretty soon everybody's a bit stressed out. But specifically with the pandemic, I think we're all uh, feeling compassion for one another because it is a very difficult time, and people have uh, certain circumstances that make it even more stressful, like uh, maybe a child with ADHD who they're trying to have do schooling at home and so on. Um, So many factors uh, with respect to the pandemic. So I would say that whether it's pandemic related or not, when we're in the company of others who are stressed, all we can do is go back to our own center, go back to this moment. And what I do in that case is I feel myself starting to get that bump in adrenaline and cortisol. My heart rate's going a little bit up, whether it's because I'm annoyed or because I'm feeling that shared stress, I go back to the breath. So I, I, you know, in the book I describe the gain meditation. And basically, I just go back to that slow breath with a, a slow, purposeful inhalation through the nose to a count of three, a pause to the count of two, and then an effortless slow exhalation through the nose or mouth to a count of four. You know, I think when we get stressed out or when we're experiencing someone else's stress, we forget to breathe. We, we kind of get lost in, in just the that that vibration and that chaos that's that's rampant in, in that moment and go back to the breath and if you want to kind of turn the volume down on that person you can go through your own thought process along with your breath about how grateful you are that you don't have the same level of stress that other person has how accepting of the other person you are and you understand that they're having pain and suffering and 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 that's applicable to so many people in the world, and you can feel your heart opening and accepting that pain and suffering. Go to your intention, the I, um, and, and purposefully feel compassion for the other person. And, again, go to your own presence. And then non-judgment. So we could do G-A-I-N with the breath and non-judgment. Don't judge the other person. You know, that's not bad or good, what they're experiencing and what they're communicating. Just accept it as it is, Just accepting the world exactly as it is without judgment. So that's my answer is go to the breath, go through your own gain process. It could take 15 seconds or 30 seconds, and that will remind you of your gratitude for your own state of mind, your acceptance of, of the adversity others are not having such a great success dealing with, your intention to be focused on the present moment in a positive way and your non-judgment of the world around you including that other person who's sort of uh, domineering the conversation and then go back to the breath and I think when you do that you'll find that you can turn the volume down a little bit on that other person and but still be present with them. And, you know, again, I think what you're describing is a common situation, whether it's related to the pandemic or not. It might be, you know, sitting at the Thanksgiving table with Uncle Charlie, who's drinking too much and starting to get a bit nasty or what have you. You know, it's it's such a common situation where we share Mm -hmm. the room or share the conversation with others who are really not on the same page. Okay. Great. That was a great answer. Thank you
2: so much. And oh, thank, thank you for,
0: the for, call, for calling in and being an everyday peacemaker. Enjoy your evening. Stay tuned for the rest of the show because you'll want to get these game principles um, that Dr. Hammer is going to give us now. Now, I Great. just want to re. You. Uh, you're welcome. I just want to just recap that breath because I know I have listeners who will email me and say, what was the breath formula again? So that was an uh-huh. inhale through the nose to the count of three. A hold for two and a gentle exhale for to the count of four. And if you're listening, why don't you just go ahead and practice that while you're listening to the show so that um, you are participating already in the consistency in small bites, right? You're you're retraining yourself. Hey, while I'm sitting here, let me do this breath exercise. So that's the inhale to the count of three, hold to two, and then gentle exhale to the count of four. So while you're doing that, we're going to talk about these pillars, the gain pillars, and walk us through what this what the GAIN stands for and how we can execute all of these pillars.
1: Sure. Well, I just want to say, Trevon, that, um, you know, back to the breath just for a moment to kind of close the loop on that. The breath is always accessible to us. And it's just yes. it's miraculous that we're always breathing, even when we're not thinking about it. But we do tend to kind of subdue our breath or almost hold our breath when we're anxious. And so going back to that, it's always right there for us. It's always available. It's always there in the present moment. And so when you, however you wanna do your breathing exercises, and I think the the three, two, four kind of slow count is wonderful because when we slow our breath, and you can appreciate this from your pharmacy background, you're actually kind of uh, stimulating the vagus nerve, which tends Absolutely. to slow your heart rate also. So when your breath slows down, your heart rate slows down, your blood pressure goes down, and this has really positive effects on, on the chemistry in our body and the, on the pharmacology of our body, if you will. The, you know, adrenaline is reduced and so on. So that's such a simple thing to do It's just when, when somebody is annoying you, for example, just go to your breath first. And then you can go through the game principles, too. But, you know, even just going back to the breath and slowing it down and, and being centered on that breath is remarkably uh, therapeutic. But you asked about the GAIN principles, so we can go through those. And um, GAIN stands for gratitude, acceptance, intention, and nonjudgment. So, you know, I think it might be useful if if I have – can I take three minutes and just sort of walk us through a quick meditation?
0: I would love that. I'm sure our listeners would love that as well.
1: Okay. So, I mean, I I think I can, uh, you know, communicate the, the GAIN principles as well that way as in any other way. So. I'm just going to – I've got the uh, timer going here, and I'm, I'm going to try to stick to three minutes. So I would like your listeners just to close their eyes. I can't see you, so there's no cheating. And just go to the breath. Feel that slow inhalation through the nose, one, two, three. Pause to a count of one, two, and then just slowly release the breath a count of one, two, three, four. So in to a count of three, pause for a count of two, and just slowly, effortlessly let your chest recoil to a count of four. And, And noticing a little bit of sweetness in the air during the inspiration, during the inhalation, just a vague sense of some kind of floral, beautiful essence that we're breathing in. It might just be from each other's company right now. And as we focus on the breath, we notice how grateful we are. And even with all of the stress associated with the pandemic, things were so much worse 100 years ago with the great influenza pandemic, so much more death and misery. We're so fortunate, for example, to have the technology that we do, to have the internet, to be able to be with each other as we are sharing each other's company right now. And even if we're physically isolated in many regards, we're not socially isolated. We're we're gaining from each other's presence right at this very moment. We can be grateful for the help that we have, for the safe place we have to live here in the United States, compared to many other countries where they're so much less fortunate. But we're so grateful for this moment and all of the wonders that it brings with it. And we notice our acceptance. We know that there's pain and suffering in the world, that we ourselves are not exempt, that we and may have physical maladies, that we suffer from the loss of loved ones, as Dr. Gaines was mentioning. We know we suffer. We know the world suffers. We suffer from a history of slavery, of lovely people being torn from their cultures and shipped to places far away and enslaved and mistreated. We have suffering from the ravaging of the environment, let's just sit as we breathe and open our hearts, feel our hearts actually physically opening, and let this pain and suffering in. Just allow it to merge with us closer and closer until it's it's merged with us. This may be a little uncomfortable at first, but after a few exercises, a few days, taking these small steps, it becomes quite comfortable, and we realize things are not as bad as, as we sometimes fear. So we just... Fill ourselves with acceptance, with an open heart. Noticing our intention, noticing that with our purposefulness, we can use our minds to become more positive in our thinking. Let's focus on what we have instead of what we don't have. We, when our meditation is over, we're going to walk through our home and notice all the beautiful art we have on the walls and, and notice the beautiful connection we have with each other right in this moment. We can focus on that. We can focus on all the wonders in our lives instead of what we think we're lacking and what we don't have. And noticing our non-judgment. We can use our mind with intention to be non-judgmental. The world does not have to be bad or good. It simply is. And the people in it are not bad and they're not good. They simply are who they are, what they are in this moment, and that applies to ourselves also. We don't have to judge ourselves. We simply are who we are, and we're much more alike than unlike, and we can accept this without judgment at all. And we go back to the breath, slowly inspiring, inhaling to a count of three and pausing to a count of two. Let the breath out slowly to a count of four. And repeat this. Now we're ready to just very gradually, slowly open our eyes. And feel this present moment that we're all sharing. All of you out there listening and and Dr. James and myself, we all share this present moment. And it's a really wondrous, magical, happy moment. But thank you all for your attention.
0: Thank you for that. That was just, that was beautiful. And I, I got a couple questions because as you, if you may, I'm sure my listeners know, I talk the topic all week. Uh, before it starts to anybody who'll listen to me grocery store at work wherever I am I talk about the topic and the guest and um, ask questions and one of the things that people really were struggling with when I talked about gain was the meaning of an intention and I know we only have a few minutes left but I would love if you could give us a quick um example what you mean we say, say set an intention and the non-judgment sure. really got people they just kind of like what do you mean don't judge so those well those I, two I was, can
1: yeah I can tell you i sorry to interrupt um uh intention I'm going to give you a good example of how we can use our mind to be purposeful or intentional and rewire the way we think from a negativity bias to a positivity bias and that's refers to a program that people can go online and, and, and learn about from Duke University called Three Good Things. And they took many, many people who enrolled online in the program and, and those people simply commit to, every night before they go to sleep, they think of three good things that happened to them that day. So I can tell you tonight, I will think of, well, first of all, in, on Stanford campus where my home is, it's a beautiful day here. It's dry. It's in the mid-70s. It's just I'm so grateful for that. I'm going to remember this conversation that that you and I and your listeners have had with just extreme gratitude, another positive, wonderful thing that happened today. And I'm going to go uh, for a bike ride after this, and I'm going to remember that with such fondness. And so those are three things that that are going to happen to me today or have happened. And when I go to bed tonight, I will be thinking of those three things. And simply by doing that, the researchers at Duke showed with serial uh, surveys that were administered related to quality of life that people sleep better and they're happier. Simply by thinking of three good things before they go to sleep at night. It doesn't take any time at all. You can do it while you're turning the bed down. So that's an example of being intentional, of using our mind's purposefulness to be positive. Because usually when we go to bed at night, we take stock of our day and we think of all the things that didn't go as we had planned in a negative way. So using our intention, we can rewire our brain and, and move from this negativity bias to a more positive way of being. And I'll quickly say that judgment is something that our minds are always doing. We're constantly, every time we see another person, we're thinking, well, you know, they're, that's person is better looking than I am, or I'm smarter than that person, or, uh, you know, the weather is too humid, or this is too big, that's too small. We're constantly making judgments, and we don't need to do this. We can just accept the world exactly the way it is without judgment. It doesn't have to be good or bad. It just is, and that may sound kind of abstract, but if you think about it, you know, the next time you're driving your car and somebody changes lanes without using their turn signal and you start to get annoyed, just go to your non-judgment and say, you know what, that's just human behavior. It is what it is. I don't have to call that good or bad. I don't have to get annoyed. And and it's a really a magical thing, non-judgment. And uh, when you start to think that way a little bit more, baby steps, daily practice, just go through the game when you're done with your meditation your eyes are open you can think, pick one element at first okay today i'm going to be non-judgmental of the first driver that started to annoy me and you'll be surprised how much better you feel when you when you let go of judgment so there's a couple of examples about using our intention to rewire our brains and about being non-judgmental
0: i love that and i i read the book and i got to tell you one of my A pet peeve that I have is for people to throw stuff on the ground. I was driving home from work for this beautiful interview, and someone, just like I was going to test from the universe, pulled up right beside my car, opened their window up, and just threw some trash out. And in that moment, I said this exact thing. I said, it is what it is. And I just drove off and I didn't get that knot that I get in the pit of my stomach when I usually see something like that that says, oh, you should have pulled over, you should have picked it up and let them, you know. it just, it is what it is and stayed in that space. And it's a practice, it's, it's a way of being, it's a new way of reprogramming and rewiring to do these intentions, to get into the space of non-judgment. But I would encourage people, pay attention to how your body feels when you get into judgment. For me, I know that, I get into judgment about very few things, but I don't know, littering some kind of way in the back of my head was something that stuck with me. And seeing that, I noticed that I get this little knot in my stomach, and I thought, I don't like the way that feels. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I certainly don't like the way that feels. And so I do like this phrase of, it is what it is. And, you know, uh, I've learned to, I'm learning to rewire myself around that and think, well, you know, there is creation of jobs and all these other things that happen because of human nature and so it is what it is definitely not within my control to uh, for what somebody else does with their trash so i i love this principle i love the gain process because it does take only three minutes people who are concerned about a long lengthy process Don't be concerned about that. So if you are worthy of three minutes and so much more, but discipline yourself just by doing the three minutes and the three good things, we can't say enough about that. As you're preparing to go to bed, thinking of three good things, you can do that. You deserve that time. And we only have a few minutes left. Before we go to our close down, I would like to say, can you tell us where we can get the book from? and, you know, just anything else that's going on in your life. I know you're you're doing a lot of work with physicians in the healthcare environment, but are you doing anything with the non-healthcare community? Just how can we stay in touch with you?
1: Well, I have a website, which is greghammermd.com, G-R-E-G-H-A-M-M-E-R-M-D.com. So I have a lot of people. Uh, links there and media. So I, I, I believe this interview will be up there at some point, but there are, you know, a dozen or more others. Uh, and the book can be purchased, uh, with a link to Amazon that's on the greghammermd.com site. You can go to Amazon directly and just put in the search bar, gain without pain, Greg Hammer, and you'll see it. Um, it's available as a, as an ebook and as a paper book. i like you, I heard you, uh, speaking with Aurora Winter. Uh, I think it was last week. I like to have a book in my hand, but uh, other people like different formats of media. Uh, And I'm not, uh, you know, I'm doing a lot of interviews and so on related to the book right now. And so um, I do have some projects going on with some people with whom I've connected uh, during this process. Um, Consulting with the startup, uh, you know, co-authoring something with uh, somebody that I met through this process. And then the uh, Gain Without Pain, Your Happiness Handbook, which is really just a, a it's a handbook-sized book, but it, it, it goes through the gain principles and the meditation. That'll be out, hopefully, in the next few months. Um, so I imagine that I'll be, uh, when the pandemic is over in particular, speaking in person to more people outside of medicine.
0: That's wonderful, because I think the world at large, in fact, I know the world wow. at large, could benefit from a handbook I, i'm a big fan of handbook tiny books that people can just carry around with them sit down on the train or a quick lunch break and just open a page and there you are you get what you need before we end though i had an interesting conversation with a friend yesterday and we talked about suffering and how suffering is optional pain will occur in this journey called life i love how you talked about embracing the pain um but what in your book, you have this wonderful formula, and I'd love if you, if you could share that, about suffering. Suffering isn't really necessary, and there are some things that we can do not to suffer. Can you share with us really quickly that formula?
1: Sure. You know, Dravon, we in medicine and pharmacy and chemistry and so on love formulas, so I, I couldn't resist putting at least one in the book. And that formula is suffering equals pain times resistance. It's sort of borrowed from fluid or electrical mechanics. But suffering equals pain times resistance. So when we resist painful thoughts, we end up suffering more. We try to submerge those thoughts or avoid thinking about them. And I'm not suggesting that people should think about painful things all the time. But at least once a day during the gain meditation, you know, when you're on your A for acceptance, bring in that pain, open your heart to it, visualize your heart opening and and allowing it in. Um, Don't resist it. Don't try to hide it. Don't try to submerge it because it will just come back and increase your suffering. So if you, you know, you hurt your knee, you twist your knee, it's swollen and all you do is focus on it. You're kind of resisting, allowing it to be what it is. um, Wishing you hadn't done that or what have you. And, And it magnifies the suffering. So, Just be reminded to be accepting rather than resisting of experiences that may be painful in life.
0: Yeah, I love that because what we we resist, and this is what I say in my book, Freedom is Your Birthright. Whatever you resist, you bring more of that energy to you. When you open up and accept it and turn the lights on on it, you realize that that's not a big monster after all. It's a little bitty ant. And so you can deal with that. So I really want people to realize that you don't have to suffer pain, myself included. Who wants to experience pain? But when we really open our heart and just love on it, like we do on children who are crying or whatever, we just love on it. And we realize it starts to settle down. It starts to be okay. And that's what we really want. At the end of the day, each and every one of us wants to know this one thing, you are safe. You are safe, you are safe. The world, the universe has made a place for you. You belong here. Even if pain shows up, it's not an invitation for you to check out and and, and move away. It's an invitation for you to practice lovingness in this moment right now. So I want you to take that with you as you go throughout your day, know that this is everyday peace with Dr. Drayvon James, where we focus on using everything that shows up in our life, the good. Yes, there will be some things that we call bad, but I love the idea of not categorizing, but there'll be some unwanted things that show up in our life. We'll use those things too, and those things that are in the middle to consciously create our next level of greatness, learning how to breathe, Through the experience, practicing your gain uh, principles, gratitude, acceptance, intention, no judgment. It is what it is. I love that phrase. My 17-year-old uses it a thousand times a day. This is Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Thank you for being an Everyday Peacemaker. We'll talk same time next week.
1: Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
0: I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the MindBodySpirit.FM podcast network, and wherever you get your podcasts.